Welcome, and thank you for streaming this sermon. At Heritage Baptist Church, we believe that the Word of God and the Gospel of Jesus can truly change lives. So it is our hope and prayer that this service stirs up your affection for Christ and helps you to draw closer to Him. For more information, please visit hbchazlett.org. Thankful for the cross where I first saw the light. The burden of my soul rolled away. And we're glad you're here tonight. Tonight, Brother Phil Gage is going to come preach for us. And we're so glad he's here. He and his wife, Michelle, are up in Shrewsbury, Mass. We'll just say it that way. And uh, i tell you, we appreciate it. I know Brother uh, uh, Leper and Miss Leper just went by there and stopped in on them one day. And they were, they were actually there. And now it's getting out, and they said, doing a great job up there. I hope that you've been praying for them. Who, who's in their region? That would be the America. Who's, who's the region director for them? I can't remember. Who's rope holders? There we go, Brother, uh, Brother Kelly. We got rope holders. Anybody rope, rope holder for Brother Phil Gage praying for them? I know we got some. So you know that you're prayed for, Brother, and we appreciate what you do. You come preach to us tonight, please, sir. Well, good evening. So, we're doing today. Great. Thanks. Nice. All right. Well, my name is Phil Gage, and I'm from Shrewsbury, Massachusetts. I'm originally born and raised in southern New Hampshire, and I grew up about 45 minutes north of the city of Boston. And right now, we live about 45 minutes west of the city of Boston. You asked me when I left to go to Bible college if I ever go back, the answer would be no. I love New England, but never thought I'd go back. I just didn't. I, I, it's cold up there, and uh, this, this is weird. When I left, it was 75 degrees during the day, and I, that was Friday. That wasn't like last winter. Um, and then I landed in Dallas, and the temperature in my car when I drove in at 5 o'clock this afternoon was 95 degrees. This is weird. Um, but we are grateful uh, to be in New England. The Lord called us there. We know that for a fact. And uh, we do. The, the lepers were there to verify they were there. There may not have been anybody else there, but we were there. And we appreciate them stopping by on us uh, and uh, being there with us uh, a few months ago. But just to give you uh, a report, actually, um, this morning we had a couple that uh, was driving around of all places, Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, looking for a church. They didn't find ours until my wife and the, the, the preacher this morning were loading stuff up into the car. They came by and says, hey, what's going on here? <laughs> they said, well, we're loading up. Is there a church? Yeah, you kind of missed it. Um, so they were asking some questions, and they said they'll be back. So we're uh, praising the Lord for that. Um, it, it's Little things like that um, that the Lord uses to encourage us. Um, just, I don't know what you guys think of yourself as a church, but just to put it in perspective, if you've never been to New England, or you've never been to that area, the group gathering this evening on a Sunday morning would be a mega church. Um, it's just that way. There are not, the, the churches, there's, the ones that are there tend to be small. They tend to be strong um, with a good uh, core of people that love the Lord and want to serve the Lord, but the percentages of the vast 
population are very small. And uh, I'm excited about that. You say, you're weird. I know. But I'm excited about the opportunity to then go and preach the gospel where it's not been named in years. In years. Um, We meet in um, a building that uh, was built in, I think, 1804. Um, We meet on the second floor, right across from the town green. And the church across the street from us proudly is waving rainbow flags, and they're all affirming. There was another church building that we were trying to look at renting. They're closing their doors, but they wouldn't allow us to... They didn't have any interest in us even renting their building to try and help pay their bills because we were not an affirming congregation in their mind. Um, That is just New England. We have everything that we need in their mindset. To use a term that's used often up there for everything, they're all set. I'm all set. Uh, that basically, if you ask somebody, hey, how's it going? I'm all set. <laughs> Do you need anything? I'm all set. They, they, in their mind, they have everything. And what we have gone there to do, uh, led of the Lord, is to bring forth the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which they may think they have it all, but we have what they truly need. And we know that. And... Um, The message this evening is not really a challenge. The Lord willing to be a help and encouragement to us. Um, Every time you have an opportunity to preach, especially someplace else, I I don't want to... I realized as I was going through some messages and things, um, getting ready for this evening, that, man, as a church planter, I'm just like starting at the basics and going through... um, you know, I can deal with all the fun issues because I'm the pastor now, but if I go to another church and try to deal with some issues, it's like, ah, I want to I be careful. <laughs> so we're just going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about salvation this evening. Aren't you glad you're saved? Aren't you thankful for your salvation? Some of us, myself included so often, needs to be reminded of that, though. We need to be reminded about that. Acts chapter number 3. Acts chapter 3. It's weird. I don't generally wear a microphone because I don't have to. And then I also don't generally move around. I used to move around all the time. But now if I move around, I bump into stuff because I don't have as much space. So this is... This is takes, you're just going to get used to me. But it takes me a little while to uh, kind of get my bearings. Brother Jesse's laughing at me. He knows me probably better than anybody in here. Um, and I apologize for that to him already. But uh, he did mention while you're turning Acts chapter 3, he goes, I, I'm praying for it tonight. I'm glad the people in our church kind of get to know you a little bit better. And I, and I meant to text him, I'm, you sure about that? Uh, I may have to apologize later. Acts chapter 3. And uh, this text, this passage is going to uh, involve the first miracle listed, may not be in the first one done, but the first miracle listed uh, by the apostles after the Lord's resurrection, after the Lord's ascension, excuse me, after the Lord's ascension. And here, uh, in Acts 2, verse 43, back in the second, and fear came in upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. We see that there were many things happening. But this is the first snapshot that uh, the human penman of the book of Acts, Luke, used 
to go into a little bit more detail. Why he picked this, I'm not sure exactly, but it does lead into the second message preached by the Apostle Paul, recorded to us in Peter, Peter, Paul, I'm in Galatians on Thursday nights and Acts on, on Sundays, I'm confused. But, and by the Apostle Peter in the book of Acts, it leads into that second message. It shows um, a snapshot of everything that was going on in this early church and uh, after the day of Pentecost. So, Peter and John are going up to the temple for the three o'clock prayer meeting, and they encounter a man in his 40s who's been lame his entire life. And that's the account that we're going to pick up here in Acts chapter number 3. Verse number 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried whom they laid at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered into uh, entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. And they knew that it was he which was uh, sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at that thing which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's greatly wondering. Wow. Can you just put yourself in this scene? This man laid at the gate of the temple. If I'm a lame man, people going to church, they're usually the good people. That's where they'd be kind and generous. Maybe that's where I'd probably say, hey, plot me down here. Thinking... If somebody's going to be kind to me and give me something, then, then it would be the church people, right? So he's laid there. We don't know how long he's been there, but we know later on in the chapter that he was lame. He was over 40 years old, so he's in his 40s, and, and he's laying there. He can't do anything of himself, and he's just asking anybody that comes by. And Peter and John come by, and he just asks for alms of them. He asks, hey, can you give me something? I need to eat tonight. And they looked on him, and he said, you know what, I don't have any money. Now, what I do have is even better. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And if somebody said that to me, I don't know about you, I'd be like, yeah, okay, next. Can I have... But this man had faith. He believed. And he said, I don't know, maybe he said, well, it's worth a shot. And he starts standing up. And immediately, he is fully healed. Fully healed. And I can imagine, he's, now mind you, he's never walked before. This wasn't like he had walked, sat down in a chair, got tired, he kind of, he had never even known what it was like to walk. 
but he's immediately healed. He jumps up, and the Bible says he starts walking and leaping and praising God. I can imagine there's some spiritual guy in the temple going, Hey, quiet down! We're trying to pray. And this man's life, though, had been completely changed. He didn't care. He was walking, leaping, and praising God. His life was completely different. He walks into the temple with Peter and John, kind of like, hey, this is amazing. And from there, a crowd gathered. And Peter went on to preach. And really, he just straight up preached the gospel in the temple that day. And the Bible tells us that many more came to know the Lord as their personal Savior. Wow. What a story. Not just some tale, but what a true account of the life-changing power of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. One man whose life was miraculously changed was the beginning of a message He was used basically as the illustration of a message that he saw thousands come to know the Lord as their personal Savior. What does that mean to us? What does that mean for us this evening? We should, as Christians, understand that God's miraculous gift of salvation should cause us to praise Him with such joy that others will marvel at His mighty power. Let me say that again. God's miraculous gift of salvation should cause us to praise Him with such joy that others will marvel at His miraculous and mighty power. Let's pray and ask the Lord's blessing on the message this evening, and then we'll go in and break down that statement just a little bit. Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you today for the opportunity we have to gather in your name this evening. Uh, Lord, I thank you for a church here that has a love for thee. Lord, a love for your word, a love and a desire to reach the lost and dying around this world. Lord, I thank you personally for their investment in our lives and what you've called us to do there in Shrewsbury. And Lord, I do pray that you would... uh, Have your will in our lives tonight. Help us as we look in your word to just reflect upon the glorious gift of salvation that we have. Lord, a gift that's freely offered to all. And dear God, I pray that our lives would be such that points others to thee. Have your will in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Some three quick lessons this evening, and uh, we should be on our way. The first one is this. Salvation is a gift from Jesus and not just a human self-improvement project. It's not just a human self-improvement project. It is a gift from Jesus. My dad was a builder when I was uh, growing up much of my life, so I've done a lot of physical home improvement type projects. You try to take junk and with your own strength, abilities, merits, everything like that, turn it into something nice. We built stuff from scratch too, but a lot of what we ended up doing was remodeling and 
Most of the time, halfway through the project, we said, you know, if we just tore the whole house down, it'd be a whole lot cheaper, faster, and easier than trying to fix what was already there. Uh, anybody ever got into a project, they just said, we should either have never tried this or we should have just started from scratch? Yeah. I've done enough. Um, but salvation is different. It's not just improving upon your condition. It is a complete and utter creation, if you will, that Jesus does in our lives. The human race, we have been spiritually lame. So let's look at this text. The Bible says in, uh, in Acts chapter number 3, notice, verse 2, "...in a certain man lame from his mother's womb." This was a man whose condition was not such that he brought upon himself. He was lame, the Bible says, from his mother's womb. You know, there are some times that people become lame by an accident. Maybe by uh, something that they've done themselves, or maybe something that was done to them. But this is, the Bible says, this man was lame from his mother's womb. I think that's a great picture of our condition, even as, as the human race. We are lame because the Bible says we are dead in our trespasses and sins. You know what? To be a sinner, you didn't, you, all you had to do was be born. It doesn't matter how good you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. The Bible says we are born dead in our trespasses and sins. Because of our spiritual condition, we are lame from birth due to the fall. That's the condition we're in. Every single person living, we are lame from birth. There's nothing we can do to change that. We, there's nothing that we can do to better our situation spiritually. I, I live in a part of the world that is predominantly, many of the people living there say that they want no religious affiliation whatsoever. You know, you may knock on a door. I've, I've lived in different parts of the country, knock on a door. Uh, and you tell them, hey, oh, I'm, I'm saved, or I go to such and such Baptist church, or my, mom, my grandma's a preacher, or whatever. They say everything. You go talk to somebody in New England, they're like, yeah, no, never mind. That, that's about it. I'm all set. <laughs> they don't want to claim, even to get you off their, their door, they don't want to claim any religious affiliation whatsoever. But if they're going to claim one, the predominant uh, religious organization there, you probably already thought of it, is the Roman Catholic Church. And one thing that is predominantly part of their system of belief is that if you do all these things, you can better your situation. You can get yourself closer. Sure, believe in Jesus. They believe in that Jesus died and rose again and he was a virgin born. They believe in that, but they also believe that if you just do a little bit more, you get yourself a better chance. That is completely dangerous. It's completely false, but it's completely dangerous because there's absolutely nothing that you or I can do on our own, to change our spiritual condition. This man was lame. He couldn't do anything to change his, his position. He couldn't change anything to do his condition. Uh, there's nothing. He had to have others bring him in there. They laid him down. He was just trying to get a little bit closer to caring for his needs. But even his physical needs may have been cared for, but his condition was never going to change. He may have made it a little bit easier to get down the road, but he was still lame. He was still doomed. 
You know what? You and me, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly our condition. We are lame. And we are unable to change our spiritual condition. There's nothing that spiritually lame people can do to change their condition. But it's interesting is that God, this is the great part, God though, God does. God heals the spiritually lame by His mighty power as His free gift apart from our own merit. You know what, did this man do anything to deserve to be the one recorded for us in Scripture, walking and leaping and praising God? You may say, well, he he was faithful to go to the temple every day. No, he was dropped there because he wanted money. He did nothing himself to change his condition, but yet, now I understand, but yet God reached down and made him whole. You and I, we can try all we want, but God saves sinners by His mighty power. Now, Whosoever will may come. I'm not trying to get into any sort of weird theology. But yet you can't change your position in any way. So, you think, well, that's kind of sombering thought. Why are we supposed to get excited about that? God changed your position by His mighty power. That's something to kind of get excited about. And... God hears this, he hears too, but he heals the spiritually lame by his mighty power as a free gift. You realize that he doesn't say, all right, you're saved now. And if you keep this contract, then you'll keep it. No. It's a free gift for all. This man knew where his healing had come from. Um, He knew that it was from God. He knew that God mercifully saved his soul. It's totally by his. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, as the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You notice his first reaction was not to say, Peter and John, thank you. What was his first reaction? To praise God. Because he knew that's where his healing came from. And this man knew that he was made whole. When God saves our soul, he always gives us far more than we expect. He always gives us far more than we expect. Remember, we're thinking right now that salvation is a miraculous gift from God, and it's not just a self-improvement project. We can't change ourselves. It's from God. And as this being a motivating factor for us to live a joyful life, He gives us more than we expect. You know what? This day, this man just came to the temple wanting money. He wanted food. He wanted to have an opportunity to go back home and uh, have his belly full and go back to the, the next day, show back up at the temple. He had no expectation that day of his life being forever changed. Maybe it hoped. Every day he probably hoped. Now I hope something happens today. But God works so miraculously. He wasn't just physically healed. 
but he was spiritually healed. The Bible says that, he, that you and I, when we come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, our personal Savior, we are a new creature. Not just patched up old person. We are a new creation. A new creature in Christ Jesus. That is far more than we could ever expect. I, 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 I think about this, this man, this lame man, and I've had four, four girls. Um, Olivia, Madison, Eliana, and Cassidy. I'm a twisted kind of person. One of my, the funnest things I enjoy of being a parent is watching my kids learn to walk. It's hilarious. If you can't laugh at a little kid learning to walk, you have more of a heart than me, number one, or two, you just have no personality. Because little kids learn to walk. You ever watch them? When they start getting up, you know, they're all wobbly. And I, they, they, they have, they kind of look like me after I've been sitting down for a little while. And they, they, they don't really have control. Because they're learning. They've never done it before. Give them a break. But this man was 40, over 40 years old, never walked. Laying on a bed, on the ground, and if it was me, it would take me a whole lot longer, but I'd be like, let's see if this is going to work. Let's see. Let me try it. Okay. Wow. Never done that before. And I maybe like get up here and then wonder what's going on next. No. The Bible says the man jumping up immediately, leaping, praising God. His life has never been this way before. I said, well, God didn't do that to me. Oh, yes, he did. Maybe not physically, but spiritually, you and I were dead, lost in our trespasses and sins. But Jesus saved your soul. Sometimes we need to remind ourselves that. That God, in His miraculous power, has saved each and every one of us who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. You know, if you're in this room this evening, I don't want to assume anything on a Sunday evening, but if you're in this room this evening, if you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, you are like this lame man tonight. You are lame. You can't change anything. I don't care how often you come to church, how often you do anything. You are stuck in your position aside from placing your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. But he has the power to save you and make you completely whole. I don't have the coordination now, after walking for however many years I've walked, to do what this man probably did. He's walking, leaping, praising God, because God works completely. Man, think about that. God's salvation, number two should cause those who have received it personally to praise Him with exuberant joy. The, the two and then three are a little bit shorter. Praise Him with exuberant, overwhelming joy. Notice verse number 8. Peter and John, I tell you, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. I just love repeating this. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The power in the name of Jesus is amazing. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he, leaping up, stood, walked, and entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. You ever 
I, I love to be around new Christians. I love being around old Christians, too. They have a different type of excitement. But there's a certain exuberance with a new Christian. They don't care. They, they don't have it all put together, usually. They say some things that you're like, ah, well, not quite that way, but you know, you're, you're good. Just keep going. Um, they, but they have an exuberance about them because they know that Jesus just changed my life. Sometimes we get, oh, yeah. Yeah, I got saved 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, my life's now. You just think about that for a while. I'm guilty of this so often that I've lost at many times that joy of my salvation. The, the, the fact and, and the motivating, this man didn't care who was around him. He was going to sing praises to a Savior. What about us? Does our salvation, have we lost the joy of our salvation? Unfortunately, many times, I've become, sadly, ashamed, if you will, of being an outwardly exuberant Christian. Oh, if I say that too loud, what's they going to think? They're sitting next to me. If I throw my napkin on the floor and pray at the restaurant, they'll not realize what happened. We, we, we get ashamed, don't we? I remember when I was in high school, uh, weird kid. I used to have a, an old beat-up minivan was my car, white with the wood panel sides. I lived in New England. I had no heat, no air, no nothing. Um, my sister was embarrassed to drive with me because the wood paneling was like peeling off and all that fun stuff. Um, that was my first car. 1988 Plymouth Grand Voyager. Oh man, it was cool. But I liked to embarrass my sister. So I didn't care what was going on. I would pull up to a stoplight, and if the guy next to me was thumping some bass or something crazy, I would blare my classical music and pull out my violin and play the violin at the stoplight Why my sister would hide. I don't know why, but that's weird stuff I would do to try, because I didn't care who was around at that time. I was young and dumb. If I were to do that today, you're like, nah, I may still do that today, I don't know. But what I'm trying to say is there comes times in our lives where we don't care who's around us and we're going to do things, right? But what about as a Christian? Have we become so accustomed to the surroundings around us as just the commonplace, oh, yeah, we're going to church, and, you know, and we've lost the joy where this man didn't care who was around him. He didn't care how dignified they were at the temple. I'm not saying get up and run around and act crazy in church. I mean, maybe a little bit. But, um, I'm saying this man, the joy of the Lord was so real in his life that he couldn't help but it, let it come out a little bit. I'm a cold-hearted Yankee from New England. I don't really shout and holler and get excited a whole lot. Because if I did, I'd terrify people up there. I know. But... Every now and again, we should show forth the joy of our salvation. You know why? Because God does so much more for us than we can ever imagine. How about in this case specifically? How about here? He, salvation, 
was received unexpectedly. You know, I'm, there's, there's different testimonies, I'm sure, in this room of those of you who trusted Christ as your personal Savior. Some of you may have been under tremendous um, uh, conviction, and, you know, you finally had enough of it, and you, and you, and you surrendered to the uh, Holy Spirit, and you called upon the name of the Lord for salvation, and you knew when you woke up this morning, I'm getting saved, because you knew. But there's probably more of you that you showed up someplace with no idea that you were going to get saved that day. How many, just by a quick raise of hand, said the day you got saved was not the day you were expecting yourself to get saved? Does that make sense? Yeah. God, if you want to say, in your mind, unexpectedly gave you the greatest gift you can ever imagine. So often that's how God works. Isn't that kind of like an extra... All right, we have Dunkin' Donuts in every corner. Up there, I like coffee. Dunkin's not my favorite, but it's everywhere, so you drink a lot of it. And... um, I found a coffee cup in my office at the church that was left. Well, we have those, like, peel-off-the-cuff, you know, there's, like, stickers. It was another free coffee. Man, I thought I found trash, and instead I found a treasure. It was amazing. That just made my day. Little things, little things. That made my day. It was an unexpected blessing. Salvation, unfortunately for many of us, is something we come to expect. We've lost the unexpected joy of what Jesus has done for us. How about salvation should fill us with joy because it's received instantly? Instantly! It's not something progressively we have to work towards to get their salvation. No, Jesus gives it to us instantly. And salvation, the joy should be exuberant in our lives because it is received completely. God never does anything halfway. God never does anything in a way uh, regarding salvation that's just, ah, he has enough for now. No, completely. You're not just a little bit better. You're not just a little bit closer to heaven. No, you have become a new creature in Christ Jesus. That should cause us some exuberant joy because it's received come Completely. This man who was lame, he leaping up, stood, walked, entered, and he didn't just say, man, well, at least I can kind of limp around. I still got this old limp. No. He was healed completely. Physically, but then also spiritually. Why? He was praising God for what he'd done. He knew that Jesus had changed his life. And then, because you why? He had to have faith in Jesus to stand up. What did Peter, and John, Peter tell him? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And if he didn't have faith in who he was, he never would have been able to rise up and walk. I firmly believe that. Jesus healed him completely. Your sins he'll remember no more. Have you lost the joy of your salvation? Lastly, not only, this is just a quick application here, Salvation is a miraculous gift from Jesus, not just a human self-improvement project. We can't, we can't just get a little bit better. No, it's from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And God's salvation then should cause us who have received it to personally praise him with such exuberant joy. And then lastly, thirdly, the joy of our salvation should provide an entrance for the gospel 
with others. Why is it for application tonight? Sure, in your own mind, it's great to understand the joy of your salvation. That'll help you get through the day. But it should provide an entrance to the gospel. If people see us at work every day as grumpy as they are, I'm not saying that you never have a bad day. We all go through heartaches in this life. We still are flesh. I'm not trying to say plaster a fake smile on your face 24-7 and, and, and act like your face is made of plastic. No, that's, that's not real. There's true sorrow. There's true difficulties we all go through. But as a consistent di- difference in your life, the joy of your salvation should cause an entrance to the gospel to others. Look at this man. This man's life was changed. He was walking, leaping. He ran into the temple. All the bothered, no doubt, some of the uh, more dignified worshipers. But then notice the last verses, I said, in verse number 11. And as the lame which was healed, notice, so changed, his life was changed. The man who was healed held Peter and John. All the people ran together unto them in the porch which is called Solomon's, greatly wondering, what is going on here? So, well, yeah, of course you'd gather a crowd. The guy's been laying at the lame for years, and now everybody sees him, and now he's changed. That didn't happen to me. Maybe his sphere of influence is a bit larger than yours. But when we get saved, in this, our sphere of influence, whether that's our small, whether that's our immediate family, whether it's where we work, whether you come to know the Lord as your Savior, wherever you may be, you have a sphere of influence that your changed life can affect, positively or negatively, for the gospel. The people who knew this man's sad past were amazed. Their amazement, though, didn't get them saved. They didn't say, wow, this, is, this, guy, this, this guy, he's got it going on. Something's different in his life. That wasn't enough. But it did open them to listen to Peter's message that followed. What happened? This man got saved. Peter preached a message. And look at Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed... And the number of men was about 5,000. This man's life was changed. He's healed. He's saved. He's got such a joy. People are like, what is going on here? Crowd gathers. Peter preaches the gospel plainly and clearly in the face of difficult persecution that's about to fall upon him. And many, the Bible says came to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. What happened? This one man's life was changed. The joy of his salvation was so evident that people said, what's going on? You know what? The joy itself didn't save souls, but it gave opportunity for the gospel. They, They were at least willing to say, hey, let's hear what's going on. And and for application, you know what? You may say, I've tried and nobody's gotten saved. Well, Peter was thrown in prison. 
but some got saved. So, if you're not in prison, you're doing better than Peter was. But the results, we've heard this so often, the results are not up to us, but the opportunities that the Lord gives us so often we don't take heed to. Or we, the Lord wants to give us opportunities, but we've kind of disqualified ourselves by not showing forth to those who are seeking the Lord that, hey, that may be somebody to talk to. Their life is different. Hey, man, why are you sober every Monday? Why, why do you not come in Friday just waiting to get out of here? What's different about you? They may say it mockingly, but then eventually, the change in our life, if we, if we show forth with joy our salvation, wow. It's been said many times that nobody can argue with a changed life. They may try to argue about the gospel, but you could say, look, argue all you want, but Jesus changed my life. But if you don't live like Jesus changed your life, what do I want he's got? He's no different. She's no different. But if we show forth, and I'm not saying walk into school, whenever you guys go back to school, run to the halls and leaping and shouting, glory to God! You may get, probably don't want to do that. But you should have a difference in your life. Doesn't mean walk around the plastered smile, because that's fake, right? <laughs> but if we realize the joy of our salvation, we we'll probably smile a little bit more than we do now. Amen. This man's life was completely changed by the gospel. Amen. Has your life been changed by the gospel? Number one, if it hasn't, Jesus can give you true joy. You may be seeking for joy someplace. You may be seeking for fulfillment. You may be seeking for what you would think would be happiness and peace. You'll never find it apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. But if you trusted Him as your personal Savior, you have joy. How do I know you have joy? It's one of the fruit of the Spirit. We, guess what? You can't like work, oh, if I do better, I'll get joy. If I do better, I'll get love. No, it's a gift from receiving the Spirit of God. You have joy. Sometimes we just lose it. That's why you can lose joy. You don't have to buy joy, but you can lose it because you left it someplace. Maybe tonight you are just happy in Jesus and you want to just thank Him for what He's done. And I challenge you this evening, continue. Your life will make an impact an opportunity for the gospel if you live a life that's joyful in Christ. But if you've lost that joy and you've gone to just checklisting your Christianity, ask the Lord to restore you to the joy. You've lost it someplace. There's no reason to lose the joy of your salvation. Jesus has changed your life completely and forever. May we rejoice in Him this evening. Head bow and eyes closed. Let's stand together. Prayerfully, just a simple...
challenge this evening. Simple thought. Are you living a life of joy? As Christians, we have joy. We can't have joy. We should have joy. But sometimes we lose that joy. If you're in this room this evening, you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you will never have joy apart from Christ. You could be looking for it everywhere, but you've never received it. So you haven't just lost it. You need to get it. Maybe this room you're not saved. I'm sure there'll be an opportunity this evening for someone to show you from the Bible how you can know for sure how to have joy. It only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if the Lord spoke to your heart this evening. I pray it's just been a help and challenge to you. But we'll pray and give you an opportunity to respond in however way the Lord leads. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your love and for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Lord, we thank you for the joy of our salvation. I pray tonight that you would, as you speak to hearts, help us to responding to you. Have your will and way, we pray in Jesus' name. On behalf of our church and staff, thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons and more information about our church, please visit hbchazlett.org.